Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, August 25th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Tens of thousands evacuated and tens of thousands more waiting to flee. A tense situation in Afghanistan as pressure mounts ahead of the August 31st withdrawal deadline imposed by President Joe Biden. Johnson & Johnson unveiling new data on booster shots. Those who received that vaccine likely to need an additional dose as the Delta variant continues to threaten those who remain unvaccinated. And a major ruling from the Supreme Court regarding the so-called Remain in Mexico policy, a Trump-era directive that could impact thousands of migrants seeking asylum along the southern border. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. The race is on to evacuate as many people as possible from Afghanistan. The increased pressure coming after President Biden pledged to stick with the August 31st deadline to withdraw U.S. forces from the country. This, as the Taliban says, it is now blocking Afghans from reaching the airport in Kabul. The tide of Afghan evacuees flowing out of Kabul is at a new peak as the effort to move as many people as possible enters its final seven days. We are currently on a pace to finish by August the 31st. The sooner we can finish, the better. Each day of operations brings added risk to our troops. Biden's decision shaped by the risks of remaining in Afghanistan past August 31st. The Taliban has described the date as a red line and threatened consequences if the White House delays. I've asked the Pentagon and the State Department for contingency plans to adjust the timetable should that become necessary. I'm determined to ensure that we complete our mission, this mission. But many lawmakers and even G7 leaders disagree with the president's choice. Several leaders during the G7 meeting have expressed concerns about this timing. They told us that for them it's very important to try to extend uh, this uh, timing. There's no possible way that we can get every American that's still in Afghanistan out in the next seven days. I, for one, believe that the situation on the ground currently already demands that we move past that deadline, and I hope the uh, administration comes to that same conclusion. With the clock ticking, 21,600 people flown out in 24 hours. The U.S. alone flew out 12,700 people, averaging nearly 350 people per flight. The airport, which once had 14,000 people on the field waiting for flights, now down to about 5,000. Though there are many more outside, desperate to get in. Families trying to leave have been boarding buses under the cover of darkness. Once at the airport gates, fewer than 50 yards separate the final Taliban checkpoint and U.S. forces. The Taliban controls who gets into the airport and who does not. We're waiting to get through, but they're not letting us at the moment. The Taliban announcing it's now blocking Afghans trying to leave the country from reaching the airport, claiming it wants to protect people from terrorist threats. A Taliban spokesman said, The road that ends at the Kabul airport has been blocked. Foreigners can go through it, but Afghans are not allowed to take the road. This sudden announcement means that thousands of people who have worked for the international coalition and others who fear persecution under the extremist movement are now trapped. 
The Pentagon announcing today that 4,400 Americans and families have been evacuated so far, and they are not aware of any casualties since August 14th. Meanwhile, the Taliban also telling women that they should not go to work for their safety, undermining the group's efforts to convince international observers that the country's new ruler would be more tolerant towards women than they have been in the past. Now to the coronavirus emergency and breaking news this morning on booster shots. Johnson & Johnson releasing a study showing a second shot of its vaccine vastly increases protection against COVID-19. Grecia Lastra has the latest. Breaking news about the single shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The company saying a new study found that antibody levels in people who got the shot and a J&J &J booster six months later increased ninefold. Prior research indicating immunity from the single-shot vaccines lasting at least six months. Experts saying the data shows that boosting is safe and effective. This, as an alarming forecast used by the CDC, shows that by this time next month, if more preventative measures aren't taken, hospitalizations could more than double across the country and deaths could jump from 11,000 over the last two weeks to more than 16,000 over the next two weeks. On Tuesday, some promising news. The White House announcing six million shots have gotten into arms in the last seven days, the highest seven-day total the country has seen in the last six weeks. We're seeing the greatest increases in states that had been lagging on vaccinations in Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. More people got their first shots in the past month than in the prior two months combined. The news comes as hospitals in several of those states are struggling. In Arkansas, they are out of ICU beds for COVID patients. Those beds are full right now. Uh, I know our hospitals are uh, trying to bring some additional online, uh, but uh, that is a cautionary note for everyone. Both Mississippi and Louisiana seeing their deadliest days since the pandemic began. Inside Shreveport Willis Knighton Hospital, first responders facing unimaginable pressure. If I don't show up tomorrow, there's nobody here to take care of this patient. There's nobody here to hold this phone and let them talk to their family the last time before we put a tube in them. This is Grecia Lastra reporting for U News. Meanwhile, COVID-19 is taking an increasing toll on kids. New data shows children are testing positive for COVID-19 at levels we haven't seen since last winter surge. Mississippi reported the state's only children's hospital has a record number of pediatric COVID-19 cases. In South Carolina, the ACLU filed a lawsuit challenging the governor's ban on face mask mandates in schools. And in Kentucky, after a court order, the governor rescinded his school mask mandate. In Florida, meanwhile, so far this school year, among the 15 largest school districts, there were more than 14,000 student and employee COVID-19 cases and nearly 30,000 people quarantined. And in the wake of a massive new surge in cases, the National Rifle Association is canceling its annual meeting in Houston. The group says the event and other associated meetings to be held the first week of October of September in Houston were now called off. The NRA says it consulted with local officials and medical professionals before deciding to cancel. And for more on the situation in Texas, where at least 89 hospitals have run out of ICU beds last week, let's go to Dr. Oase Durrani. He's an emergency room physician in Houston. 
Thank you so much for being with us today, doctor. Welcome to U News. Thanks for having me. Dozens of intensive care units are at or near capacity in your state as the Delta variant continues to spread. What is the greatest need right now? Is it more beds, medical personnel, ventilators, or perhaps all of the above? Yeah, the unfortunate answer is all of the above. You know, I remember talking to a colleague two weeks ago and saying, I don't know if this could get much worse. And unfortunately, over the last two weeks, we've, you know, done things in our healthcare system that were unheard of, right? The EMS system in San Antonio, the seventh largest city in the United States, went down for 30 minutes. We, when we were transferring, you know, one or two patients every week to out-of-state locations, that's now a daily occurrence. Our pediatric hospitals are full. We have a surge of COVID patients in those pediatric hospitals, but we also have a surge of RSV, which is also creating a strain on our system. And then, um, unfortunately, in critical access hospitals and freestanding emergency departments, which are built to stabilize patients and then transfer them to tertiary care centers in places like Austin or Houston, they're not able to do that. And so those, um, those uh, facilities are running low on supplies such as medications, such as oxygen, and, it, and we're really in a you know, tough spot right now. It's really a nightmare out there. Now, let's talk about booster shots. It looks like boosters will likely be recommended for people who received Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. What else do we know about this so far? Yeah, so once again, we are seeing evidence that um, these vaccines are extremely safe and effective. We had data that showed that these vaccines were providing a good level of immunity six months out. And even though the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine showed a good immune response when you boosted, we, that wasn't a sure thing when it came to the Johnson Johnson, Johnson vaccine. The reason for that is the Johnson Johnson vaccine is built on a different technology. It's not an mRNA vaccine. But with this data today, we now know that getting a boost will give you that long-term protection and immunity to provide protection for yourself, for your family, and for those that you interact with. We just reported on the dramatic rise in pediatric cases. The U.S. went from 38,000 cases a week near the end of July to 180,000 cases for the week ending August 19th. What steps can parents take to keep school children safe? Yeah, so I think the answer is simple. We need to be responsible adults. And so that means we need to get vaccinated if you're the parent, if you're the teacher, if you're the adult interacting with those kids. And we need to mask up until we're out of this surge and until we get the community spread of the Delta variant under control. As far as when it comes to kids, if they are eligible for the vaccine, if they're 12 and over, get them that shot and then get them masked when they go to school. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of debate over mask mandates and whatnot, but as a parent, you can still send your kid to school masked and make sure that they're protected and that, that your family is healthy. In terms of masks, now that you mentioned them, what kind of mask will protect kids better at schools? Yeah, so any double-layered mask would be great. If there's room for a filter in that double-layered cotton mask, I would place a filter in it. With kids, I also like to tell parents that, you know, kids' comfort comes number one. So you want to mask that fits snugly, but at the same time, you don't want a mask that they're going to be fiddling around with all day and taking off because that's just going to lead to more exposure and negative effects. So something that is comfortable for them, that has no huge gaping holes, but at the same time has two layers and uh, preferably a filter if possible. Let's also talk about treatments. Texas and Florida are offering monoclonal antibody treatments for people testing positive for COVID infections. Now, how does this treatment work and what is the efficacy? 
Yeah, so we've seen that if you're able to get these treatments within that first seven to 10 day period from when you are symptomatic, there is a 80% reduction in progression to severe disease. It essentially does what the vaccines all, already do. So if you get a vaccine, it produces an immune response. You develop antibodies, which then fight off any inf infection that you may you may develop. These are essentially uh, antibodies that are made in the laboratory that are injected into you to fight off that uh, coronavirus um, infection that you have at that time. I think they are a great tool in this pandemic, but I don't think they are the end-all be-all answer. We need to continue to make sure that we focus on vaccinations and masking. And then unfortunately, if you are to get an infection, then we have this kind of backup tool to make sure that you don't get hospitalized and that you make a good recovery. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Oase Durrani, emergency medicine physician in Houston, Texas. Thank you for all the work that you're doing and for all this wonderful advice. Thanks for having me. Meanwhile, across several states, there is a dramatic rise in the number of people ingesting an anti-parasite medication designed for animals. It's called ivermectin. Jaime Garcia has more on the dangers of these unsafe treatments. For the people working in the equestrian field, the thought of a person taking medicine prescribed to be used on horses is totally crazy. The medication for horses are so strong that your heart can even stop. This is the same warning that the FDA issued against the use of ivermectin for the prevention and treatment of coronavirus. The risk of using ivermectin without a doctor's prescription are very high, and using it for the treatment or prevention of COVID-19 is a big mistake and is not recommended by the FDA. Ivermectin is a medication approved for the treatment of lysis and parasitic worms in humans, and in much bigger dosages to treat parasites on horses and cows. Even on small dosages, this medicine can cause headaches, nausea, vomit, and in severe cases, it can cause convulsion and even death. In Mississippi, where the number of vaccinated against COVID is the lowest in the country, the Poison Control Center reported an increase of 70% of the emergency calls made related to problems caused by ingesting ivermectin. One of the main concerns is that for people from Mexico and other Latin American countries, this medicine is very common and can be by without prescription. Many Latin American countries do not have the vaccine yet, and the people are desperate to use something to treat COVID-19. The unfounded rumors about the use of ivermectin as a COVID treatment came from an article published last year about a study that began in 2011 that supposed that this medication could inhibit the reproduction of different viruses such as SARS-CoV-2 something that was not proven at all. That is why the study was concluded a few weeks ago, and there are not new indications for the use of ivermectin. The FDA never approved it for the use against COVID-19. In Los Angeles, Jaime Garcia, U News. Health officials and doctors are urging pregnant women to get vaccinated to avoid complications and premature deliveries. Here's Rafael Rodriguez with more on this developing story. Physicians across the country are concerned about the rise in pregnant women diagnosed with COVID-19 who end up hospitalized and in intensive care units. This group of doctors from Broward Health in Florida 
say what they are seeing is devastating. We had a mother who died who never met her child. Nearly one in four pregnant patients has been vaccinated against COVID-19, according to federal data. Among the unvaccinated was one of Dr. Gonzalez's patients who had irreversible damage to her lungs. She was so sick we had to do a C-section because we had to remove the baby at once. She could not breathe. Once they intubated her for the C-section, they never removed the tube, and later she died. We had never seen anything like this before. Dr. Kumar adds that he has never seen so many young pregnant women in intensive care units. According to the CDC, patients with COVID-19 who are pregnant and unvaccinated are three times more likely to end up hospitalized than those who are not vaccinated. Getting vaccinated during pregnancy is safe. It's important to do so to protect the fetus and the mother so that she can have a healthy pregnancy. Lucia works at the hospital. She's 37 weeks pregnant and explains why she decided to get the shot. I was very worried, but I know I made the right decision, especially as an employee seeing the numbers rising. Reported by Vilma Tarasona, this is Rafael Rodriguez, U News. Meanwhile, international scientists dispatched to China by the World Health Organization to find out where the coronavirus came from said Wednesday the search has stalled and warned that the window of opportunity for solving the mystery is, quote, closing fast. In a commentary published in the journal Nature, the WHO recruited experts said that, among other things, Chinese officials are still reluctant to share some raw data, citing concerns over patients' confidentiality. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You news covers the news of your world. It makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. In a major new ruling, the U.S. Supreme Court is allowing the revival of a Trump-era immigration policy. Justices declined the Biden administration's request to place that policy, known as Remain in Mexico, on hold. Ana de Mendoza has this report. The Remain in Mexico, or MPP, program returns. The Supreme Court rejected the Biden administration's petition to stop a Texas judge's orders requiring the government to reinstate the program that requires migrants to wait in Mexico for their asylum appointments. What the Supreme Court did is to determine that the Texas judge's decision can go on, that the president will not be able to stop the MPP program. We don't know exactly what is going to happen with people who are going to be processed under MPP. She refers to people like Jose Luis Alvarado and his wife, Wendy. We have been very affected by the Trump administration, and the truth is that I feel sad because we have been here for three years and nothing has happened to us. We are still in the same situation. While waiting in Mexico, they fell in love and had a baby, who is nine months old today. They say the program has caused them great pain. 
It's difficult to know that they want to activate the MPP again, when it is known that there have been a lot of rights violations and that they are still violating the rights of those of us who are here. President Biden had canceled the MPP program in January and authorized the orderly entry of those who were registered. Since then, the government has allowed entry to more than 13,000 MPP migrants, and 27,000 more have applied for entry, but not all of them qualify. 2,000 MPP migrants were vetted for entry. No one knows what will happen to them, how, or when the government will begin enrolling new asylum applicants into the program. We don't know how the administration will handle it, if they will do it in a quick way or in a slow way to allow another type of situation. The Department of Homeland Security said that it will continue to challenge the Texas judge's order, but will comply with the mandate in good faith, and that it has begun talks with the Mexican government. Mexico will decide whether or not to receive migrants. Reported in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, by Mario Eugenia Payan, this is Ana de Mendoza, U News. And for reactions to this new ruling and what this could mean for migrants all along the border, let's go to Pedro Rojas, who's joining us live from Hidalgo, Texas. Pedro. Andrea, as you said, definitely this news has taken the uh, stories down here at the southern border. And the reason being is because the Biden administration overnight has decided to put in place and follow the order the Supreme Court issued, meaning that now the agents are doing migrant protection protocols to all the migrants that are requesting asylum as they cross into the United States soil. Now, this is happening, and as this is happening now, the, the state of Texas, one of the plaintiffs against the Biden administration is celebrating. This is just one of the tweets the Texas Attorney General's office has put out, and it says the following. Texas win again. The Biden administration continues to fail. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled in our favor yet again. The remaining Mexico policy must be implemented now. And so it has been, according to what the Department of Homeland Security is saying, that they started working overnight, adapting the agents to start processing the migrants that have crossed illegally. Remember that every day throughout the southern border, thousands of migrants are coming across illegally and turning themselves into Border Patrol custody. Some of them mostly families and unaccompanied minors. But as we know, the Border Patrol is also saying, and based on the numbers of the month of July, that a large amount of these migrants are mostly adult male or female. So with this be in mind, what, what is happening overnight is that the government has again implemented this program. Also, overnight, the, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, put out another tweet celebrated this decision. He says the following. He says that the state of Texas, basically, he's saying, uh, let me get to the tweet real quick. He says, Texas win again. I mentioned that one. The, the governor, Greg Abbott, says, the U.S. Supreme Court tells the Biden administration to reinstate the remaining Mexico policy put in place by the Trump administration. This halts Biden's skirting of immigration laws and will reduce the record number of migrants entering illegally. As you know, we have seen many delegations of members of Congress, members of the Senate come down here, demanded the MPP program to be put back in place. Last year, we saw the Trump administration keeping that program. They suspended it in March of 2020 because of the pandemic and because they couldn't help any more hearings online or video conference because of the pandemic. Now, we don't know what will be the outcome of this new implementation, but what we know is that effectively the agents down here at the border are now using migrant protection protocol to return migrants seeking asylum back to Mexico. Back to you. Thank you, Pedro, for that live report. 
And some major news to report from Capitol Hill. The House committee investigating the January 6th insurrection is demanding a host of records from Donald Trump's White House and several of his administration's intelligence and law enforcement agencies in what is a sweeping start to lawmakers' review of the deadly attack. The request Wednesday seeks records about events leading up to the January 6th riot, including communication within the White House and other agencies and information about planning and funding for rallies held in Washington. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives took a big step Tuesday in helping President Biden achieve a signature agenda item. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill approving a $3.5 trillion budget plan, paving the way for Democrats to pass legislation expanding the social safety net. The House voted on a rule to advance both the budget deal and a separate trillion-dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill. Democrats have outlined four main categories they plan to invest with this budget resolution, and this includes infrastructure and jobs, families, climate, and health care. That includes funding for things like pre-K, affordable housing, and medical benefits. And that's not all. The House of Representatives also passed a major voting rights initiative on Tuesday, giving the government and racial minorities more power to challenge election rules deemed discriminatory. The John Lewis Voting Rights Advancements Act is named after the longtime Georgia congressman and civil rights activist who died in 2020. The bill restores part of the 1965 Voting Rights Act that allowed the Department of Justice to block jurisdictions that have previously discriminated against voters from making changes to their voting rules. Getting the bill through the Senate will likely be a challenge, as most Republicans oppose it, saying the legislation represents federal overreach into the role of states during an election. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.